they want to make the most important component sexuality. And so the question then becomes, is that legitimately the most important component of somebody's identity? Or are there other pieces that are that are perhaps more important? Um, you know, maybe I'm a Chiefs fan. Welcome to Calvary Conversations. My name is Sean LePage. I'm the chairman of the Ministry Studies Department here at Calvary University. Thank you for joining us. I've got uh, my my fellow Calvary Conversations uh, host is joining me today uh, for a conversation. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Good to be here, Sean. We've got uh, from on my screen, uh, left to right, we've got Josh Paxson, Dr. Joshua Paxson. I'm still not used to that, but... Uh, but uh, Dr. Joshua Paxton from Intercultural Studies here at Calvary, uh, Dr. Mike Dodds from the uh, the Seminary uh, Ministry Studies, and uh, Tim Hange, in the, uh, the the head of the English department, yep. and, and uh, T. Saul and other things. And so it's good to have you with us, gentlemen. You bet. We are we are going to discuss perhaps the most talked about subject of our time, at least in recent. Uh, discussions and uh, so um, uh, we we just felt like uh, you know uh, there's there just hasn't been enough said about this and so we need to weigh in and share our thoughts as well. Um, but the issue is identity, uh, and um, you know it's it's a uh, again one of the most talked about conversations of our time, but it's not often looked at through the lens of the biblical worldview, and and. Frankly, that is the most critical uh, way to approach this uh, this subject. So, um, I want to I want to introduce this by sharing with you a quote from uh, an author named Nancy Piercy, and she has written a book called "Love Thy Body," and uh, she explores um, some of the the issues behind uh, the uh, the cultural conversations of our time. And uh, so, so she says this, the key to understanding all the controversial issues of our day is that the concept of the human being has likewise been fragmented into an upper and lower story. Secular thought today assumes a body-person split with the body defined in the fact realm by empirical science, uh, something that that um, Francis Schaeffer would have called the lower story, and Piercy says the person the person is defined in the values realm as the basis for rights, uh, and that would be in what Schaeffer called the upper story. So she says this dualism has created a fractured, fragmented view of the human being in which the body is treated as separate from the authentic self. And so what you have here is this, uh, this split between, uh, and really it, it, it's so informative because, you know, you, you hear people out there debating the whole issue of, say, for example, transgenderism, where someone feels like they're uh, the, the opposite uh, gender, um, and, and so then you have people uh, maybe of a more conservative bent who are debating whether, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, 
science proves that this person is a, a male or a female. But in reality, um, they're, they're not understanding each other's worldview. And uh, the worldview that we're dealing with here in our culture that is that is taking over, that is becoming the dominant worldview, is that personhood is separate from um, hu hu the fact that someone is a human being, from the fact that their their science, their their biological body says one thing, uh, but uh, their their mind and their values and their beliefs tell them that they are something else. And and so it's it's a critical thing to understand is that this this has been separated in the minds of many people. And so you hear people say something to the effect of I uh, I am not my body. <laughs> and uh, and so they've separated um, uh, what what we would say is their God given um, uh, uh, biological uh, body from who they really are. So, um, you know, we, we don't think that the human being is in total our physical body, but that but that there's a strong connection that our bodies are important and valuable. So so let me start with this question for you, uh, gentlemen. Uh, would you agree uh, that the biblical worldview uh, sees identity as something God given rather than something that is fluid and and um you know related to our, our our personal beliefs and feelings that may be a softball to start with but but um uh, i mean do do we agree on this that 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 our, our identity is god-given and if so why yes. do you believe that yes <laughs> yes next no. question <laughs> no all right so, because no, i just so, want to i want to be the odd one out oh, oh no <laughs> yeah sean as you were as you were saying that i i couldn't help but think right uh ecclesiastes solomon writes ecclesiastes there's nothing new under the sun and what you are describing is is almost a a perfect description of gnosticism in in the new testament and i mean it's it's essentially the same thing about how what we do with our bodies doesn't matter related to our our spiritual nature because they're two they're two separate things and so it's it's not a new philosophy it's it's something that's been around for a long time yeah it, it, it's actually kind of new for western culture though for for western civilization yeah. Because Western civilization was so heavily influenced by the biblical worldview um, that there was, you know, the the, the, the person, uh, human beings were seen as a unified whole of our, our bodies along with our spirits and our minds and our feelings and our beliefs uh, that, that was all connected. But now it's being separated in a in a really unprecedented way for for Western civilization. Mike, what were you going to say? Yeah, I, I would just agree with Josh, but add, adding into it, there, there's a discussion about where is this coming from and why is this happening in, in our culture at this time? And others point back to, you know, times back in history where identity was removed from people. Okay, there's another issue, but I, my mind went to, you know, you're asking about our bodies. Romans 1, we turn there and what's the problem that's, that's evident in the world? Well, we've rejected God. In creation, we rejected his revelation. An interesting statement, though. I'm reading New American Standard, Romans 1, 24. Therefore, God gave him over to the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Uh, and then he describes that they 
the issues of walking away from a biblical worldview are going to be lived out um, and unfortunately expressed in our bodies there. Good. So, so that really brings me to my my uh, next question. Unless Tim had something else to add there, one of the deep concerns I have, and this is you know this is a, a larger issue, but it's connected, hmm. is that um, you know I recently had a conversation about this with uh, a person who uh, doesn't uh, who is an atheist and ascribes purely to a naturalist worldview. But the the issue the issue when you talk about the upper and lower story, this is one of the issues where we're, we're deep we're one of the deep issues we're having issues, I think, as a culture resolving, because there is so much about naturalism and the evolutionary story that appeals to the lower story, right? The sort of empiricism that says uh, we, we simply are a product of natural forces, and, and that is all that we are. And if you push people to the wall, you'll even hear that things like thoughts, emotions, et cetera, these are, these are all chemically driven responses, right? It's 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 like this hyper behaviorist sort of view. But yet these same people, and, and indeed this individual that I was speaking with, who is by, by no means a slouch intellectually, appeals to higher thoughts such as morality um, to define what is good and what is bad and, and who they are. And it's bizarre to me because there is no moral, I I, I still do not believe you know, I know the Sam Harris line, you know, you just because you, you don't believe in God doesn't mean you, you you can't be a good and moral person. And I don't see how that is if something is socially or morally defined in the same way identity has that same issue. Unless there is something uh, metaphysical that roots you, identity is ultimately a metaphysical thing. And unless there is some metaphysical mooring or reality that we can root to, I just don't see how it's possible to even have a conversation about identity. It's so our, our culture is very fractured in how it views this. And logically, and very, I would say very much so and very inconsistent across different groups. And 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 uh, the the ideas are very much changing. For example, um, not very long ago, uh, we were told that that homosexuals were born that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we are no longer hearing that. Um, that is no longer um, something that the LGBTQ uh, community uh, promotes because um, they're now saying, and I'm, I, I'll get away from saying they want to do this or they, the, what their motives are. I'm not going to get into their motives. But what we are hearing from them now is that uh, sexuality is fluid. And uh, if, if it becomes something that, you know, that they were born homosexual, then then uh, that has to be their pattern of life for the rest of their life. And they can't they can't, uh, you know, suddenly become bisexual or or whatever uh, that they, they have to. You know, if it's true that they're biologically born uh, homosexual, then they 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 must be a homosexual the rest of their life. But actually, um, whether it's because they prefer this or whether uh, they're they're just looking at the data, the data shows that uh, homosexuals are 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 often very fluid and and uh, often and, and not just homosexuals but but uh, uh, many many people are are the, the data is showing that their their sexuality is fluid and they're at times bisexual at times homosexual at times heterosexual and it's it's very fluid and so we hear the word fluid more now than 
born that way. And so you're right that the ideas are are um, uh, very uh, uh, unanchored. Really, they're unanchored, right. and and they're 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 changing rapidly on us. But it, but it's also very connected to what Piercy has identified for us here, and what Francis Schaeffer was saying 30, 40 years ago. Um, is that what's happened is there's been a disconnect between, uh, you know, the the biological realm and the the uh, beliefs and, and values realm. And so you can see this happening uh, in many ways. Um, Sean, so, think, so, go ahead. Um, I just I think what what you're saying, OK, speaks. So it, it speaks first to your first question. So, yes, identity is definitely rooted in the biblical worldview, even in reference to what you were saying right there is Paul. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6, he uses the, the concept of our identity and being rooted in Christ as a defense for this is why we shouldn't engage in sexual mm -hmm. immorality, regardless of what that sexual immorality may be, right? Many different forms that it could take, but it's, it's our identity in Christ, being members of Christ's body, which makes it important that, that we don't engage in that behavior. And it's... It's important because just as you you were illustrating there, you need an objective standard. As as Tim was saying too, you need something that is objective because as soon as you remove the objective standard, any kind of objective basis for where we find our our sense of identity and our sense of self, then it it opens up a whole realm of subjectivity that you were talking about of be whoever you want to be, be, you know, because there there is no grounding anymore for for who we are as people. It's just whatever you want to invent. Yeah. But to be fair, identity, I, I once heard Tim Keller describe it as a stack of cards, and I, I really like that, that, that the top card of the stack needs to be the identity in Christ for a believer. I'm a child of God. A human being created in God's image, that's first and foremost what I am. But then there are all there are a lot of other identities, and some of those identities are mm -hmm. more stable. But if, if I'm gonna be honest, and I'm not talking about sexuality here per se, but I'm talking about there are other chosen identities that we have, right? I mean, as a professor, as a right, there are a lot of there are a lot of other things that play into that identity stack. And one of the key issues, I think, for a believer is keeping that stack in order and knowing what is meant to be fluid and what is meant to be stable because ultimately even the the fluid identities that we choose in terms of profession in terms of uh family relationships in terms of you know being a father being i mean these are choices we make in life right that affect our identity i can't be a father if i choose not to get married and not to have children right so uh but i um but there are certain stable um uh, there's a stable core of identity that that comes through the identity of Christ. So I, I only bring that out just to say that it is a it is it is complex, uh, mm -hmm. but and it, it and I think there is a there is a a range of of malleable or or changeable versus um, you know immutable at the core. So let me ask in in, in as a follow up to that, Tim and 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 Mike and Josh, um, what is the connection? between our physical bodies, our, uh, the, our biology, and our identity? How, how do you see that mm. connection? Or, or are they disconnected? And, and, uh, and so uh, are, are we basically saying the same thing, that our true identity is separate from 
our biology, but but it's it's uh, it's a matter of what we believe and and you know what we believe about who Christ is and how who we are in Christ. Makes sense. The question. I feel, I, I, I feel yeah. that um, in in true teacher nature, I need a whiteboard to be able to to fully illustrate the the answer to this question. But I, all right, calm Sean, down. I think I I think I picture it as a a massive Venn diagram, right? And so you've got all these overlapping and concentric circles, and and they they interact with one another. And a component of that is going to be so. A component of that would be your sex. A component of that is going to be your gender. But a component of that is also going to be your nationality. It's going to be your religion. It's going to be how you were raised. It's going to be your parents. It's going to be right this humongous all these all these overlapping pieces and in the in the core of that is is your identity. And so all of them give information. All of them give information and they give give a component of of what that identity is but then there needs to be a you know there needs to be like a foundational decision of who which one of these components is the most important component to who you really are so i we've we mm -hmm. we've had this conversation we we started this conversation kind of in the realm of sexuality and so that's a that's an an aspect of what our culture is trying to do is they want to make the most important component sexuality. And so the question then becomes, is that legitimately the most important component of somebody's identity? Or are there other pieces that are that are perhaps more important? Um, you know, maybe I'm a Chiefs fan. And so just yeah, to take it out of the controversial, the controversial area for a little bit, like if, if being a Chiefs fan is the core piece of my identity, then I've still got a problem because uh, my my emotions are going to go up and down and be everywhere, depending on whether they're winning or losing games. And so all of it feeds into that. But then where's where's the core? What's the core that tells you who you really are? Yeah. So, I, I was listening to a presentation the other day on transhumanism and just that thinking that's out there in the culture and not to introduce another topic, but I think it's related because I was wondering what, why, what, what's going on? And in the midst of that presentation, they talked about an agenda by some in our culture. And again, I, I don't know how much that is for removing a sense of identity from people. Um, and the one example they gave is, why do you have uh, drag queens story hour? They go into three and four and five year olds uh, and it's to confuse. And this is what the person was saying, confuse identity. And how does that play into transgenderism or, or transhumanism? It's because they there are some that envision a time when we are not what we are physically, biologically and and. Now there's two elements going on. One is trying to confuse people and their identity, but the, here's another one where they're foreseeing uh, we need to think differently about our identity. We can be a man machine type thing. Now I don't understand all that, but it's a little crazy. So it it, it what you're saying, Josh, is is there a fundamental? Is is something hardwired into all of us that I'm I'm just sort of changing the. Uh, superstructure on the outside, but I'm really not changing 
what I am as a, as a person and and scripture says we are in a creation account. The, the biological terms that are used, um, you, you can't get away from it. It's not a, uh, you know, as you look back at church history, and one of the struggles the church had with the early church history is, was Jesus a human being? Well, John, 1 John says, you know, if you don't confess Jesus as come in the flesh, oh, wow, so he he incarnated God, and you, you put all the thinking together, and there's something that's going on here that, we, we can't change who we are, but we sure try. <laughs> you know, Mike, that's a that's a good point, isn't it? That throughout throughout at least throughout church history, there's been this this tendency to to um, you know treat the body as lesser or less important uh, versus the spirit and the soul, and that's that's how people, uh, in fact, justified all kinds of sin was by saying, well, that. You know, that's just kind of this lower story. That's just what I do with my body. That's not really connected to, and that's that's a that's a Gnostic idea, I, I believe. Um, so, so uh, it, it is something that's happened historically before, right? Yeah, I you know you, we I mentioned earlier that what what did Hitler do? He tried to move remove a person's sense of identity. Yeah, uh, to control he, he them. Humanized the Jews. Yeah. yeah. Or, or um, people with Down syndrome, or, or, or uh, the, uh, the 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 gypsies and whoever else. That's right. Racism. They were so, persons. If I could get to that question about what the stable core is hmm. for for a believer, I, I think it's interesting that even well, okay. To be fair, Charles Taylor is a is a Catholic, but the philosopher Charles Taylor, you know, talks about in his book Sources of Self how. Self has to be tied to the our our concept of self is always tied to what he called morality. I think a better word to have used would have been value. It's tied to whatever we define as good. Listen to how people talk about themselves. I am, right? Profession, father, sexual orientation, uh, a rebel. You you see you hear like you hear value words sometimes or at least there are e even those other like professions etc they have value ideas laden to them ultimately we cannot get away and I, I like what Charles Taylor said about the fact that anything that we define about ourselves is ultimately connected to what our ideas about what is valuable is right even a criminal uh, might take pleasure in his ability to. Uh, you know, get away with things, right? He sees himself as a rebel. That is the good value that he connects in his mind, that he connects his identity to. So one, I, I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's possible to define our identity apart from that. The other thing too is, and I think this is something that we should embrace as believers, mysticism. I know that that can be a little bit odd, like, right? But there is something very, if you look at Psalm 139, you created... Mm -hmm. For you created my inmost being, you knit me uh, together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Okay, so who are we? We're creations of God. What does that mean in essence? 
We're made in God's image, yes, but there's a wonderful degree to which I gladly say, I don't fully understand all that. Who we are yeah. is, is mysterious and amazing. And I think that's great. And I think that, that this is the problem with eliminating the upper room. We eliminate mystery. We get everything down to the, 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 uh, uh, the rational level. And life is no fun. I, I, I just, I really, I really think it isn't. I mean, I think Christians have the ability to enjoy who they are and enjoy this world because of our deep rootedness in an identity, in the fact that God created us, and in the fact that in the end, we don't even fully understand what that means, but it's beautiful and we embrace it for what it is. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I like what you're saying, Tim. Uh, I, I think I'll, I, I would be picky and I would not use the word mysticism for that. I, I would <laughs> I would call that just mystery where there, there's a lot of mystery here when it comes to uh, our identity and who we really are. Uh, but I think what I think what the biblical worldview is, and maybe this means we need to have a second conversation about this. But um, you know, I agree with Nancy Piercy that our our the biblical worldview is that our identity is um, uh, that all of that is integrated, and it's maybe what Josh was trying to say with his Venn diagram was that that our mm -hmm. identity um, uh, that that our, that our beliefs and and the spiritual realm and the mysterious uh, uh, part of our inner person is integrated with uh, the physical and the biological, and that's how God has made us. In fact. We will live for eternity in physical bodies. We're not, yes. you know, uh, at some point going to get to just um, shed bodies and and live as disembodied spirits for eternity, and th and that that's like some sort of Christian nir uh, nirvana or something. Uh, we we will live in physical bodies for all of eternity. Yeah. So we are. It's all integrated, and I think that's the mistake that's that's happening culturally, is that we're separating those two so much. That someone can say, I'm not my body, I am something completely different than my body. This is another topic we need to delve into. We're gonna put because it, it affects how we live the Christian life. And when we separate what we believe from the physical world, it's and I believe the Western Protestant church has done this to a great degree in its zeal to separate faith from works. I think often separates the 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 spiritual world from the physical world in an unhealthy way. Good, and, and I'll take it another step further. I'm sorry, I'm doing all this talking here, but uh, uh, I think it impacts the way we engage the world on this conversation, because instead of saying you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, uh, you know, uh, you're you're screwing up the the biblical picture here. What we can say to them is, uh, you actually have a low view of the body. You have a a, a a view of the body that makes it completely unimportant and and completely malleable. You know, uh, if you feel like you're a different gender, you can have a surgery and somehow become an, another a, a different gender. No, that's not the case. The Christian worldview has a very high view of the body, and that's that's a, a whole different conversation than then you're wrong, we're right. You know, that is, that is uh, you know, uh, maybe still not an easy conversation to have, but it's it's a very different conversation. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. I think... To, uh, to, piggyback, 
just to to piggyback a little bit more off of what Tim was saying about the mystery aspect of it, and this is this is a passage that I use frequently in class, and I'll be honest, it's one that I still struggle a little bit to comprehend. But in Acts 17, Paul is speaking to the Areopagus, the men at Mars Hill, and and he makes this he makes this defense to them uh, about the nature of God and who God is, and he says some very interesting things. So. Uh, verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it being Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Okay, that's setting it up for these next two sentences. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they would seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And the the, the illustration, all right, were you born male? Were you born female? Were you born, you know, where were you born? Who were your parents, your culture, your, you know, that, that identity is a key component of how God has established you, your life, your personhood for the specific purpose that you can enter into a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Where you were born, your your ethnicity, your culture, your, you know, the color of your skin, who your parents were, that I mean that just opens up this humongous picture of how the the reality of the biblical worldview, right, and how important your God's design, if you will, is playing into your identity for the express purpose that you would have a relationship with him and be reunited, reconciled to him. That's a that's a great way to end. We're going to have to end this conversation <laughs> over time. Um, but uh, this this conversation, this subject, we need to explore it some more. We'll do that in a in a in another uh, conversation very soon. But uh, gentlemen, I really appreciate your wisdom on this, and uh, I think it's exciting because because uh, the whole cultural uh, conversation on this subject has really highlighted, I think, the beauty and the the depth and and just the the wisdom of of uh, our God-given identity, and and it, it gives us an opportunity to help people really embrace that. So uh, we'll come back to that, and we'll explore the, the, the specifics, I think, of how the scriptures, um, you know, really teach that God has given us. We have a God-given identity, and that is that is very liberating. And, and, and so I think that's a another uh, a conversation for another time, but I think it's an exciting one to have. So thank you, gentlemen, for your wisdom today. And listeners, thank you so much for your time. And and uh, as, as always, we encourage you to participate in the conversation. You can find us on Facebook. We have a new uh, Facebook group that we're trying to get started. Uh, we also have a Calvary Conversations page on the Calvary University website. And you can you can participate in the conversation through that um, through that web page and and um, uh, through the Calvary University website and, um, and and we just encourage you to do that and we hope that uh, our conversation has encouraged you to start your own conversations with uh, the people that you uh, love and that are you know in your life 
and uh, and and just have those conversations from the biblical worldview and just see how God uses it. So uh, thank you for joining us. Grace and peace. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Calvary Conversations, a service of Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri. We invite you to participate in the conversation by contacting us through the Calvary University website, calvary.edu, or by calling us at 816-322-0110. Join us again next week for another Calvary Conversation.